This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. There is an alien among us. A superior being from a place called Krypton. Deep in the heart of the city, he watches for signs of danger. Ready to act on a moment's notice. His true name is Kal-El. You know him as Superman. Maybe you ladies haven't heard about me. The future of Metropolis is in the hands of the Man of Steel. Get up. He's gonna be busy. I said get up. Superman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 168 of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. And uh, Cal, we have uh, yet another episode of Superman the Animated Series to talk about this week. That is right, Liam. Uh, We are talking about a... Uh, very strong woman dressed in all metal. No, it's not Wonder Woman. No, it's not Mm -hmm. Xena. It's not a warrior princess. It's a warrior queen. That's right. As we talk about the uh, Superman, the animated series episode, Warrior Queen, uh, starring one Maxima, uh, as we continue in our month of Superman, the animated series episodes. That's right. So, uh, yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit at the end of our show last week, but uh, Maxima is a character that is brought over from uh, the, the DC Comics world. Uh, she, uh, she first appeared in the pages of Action Comics in the, uh, in the 80s, and uh, her first couple appearances are pretty much in line with uh, what we see here today. Uh, and we will get to talking about the plot, visuals, music and voice acting in just a moment here but of course cal before we get into talking about all of that and then how this version of maxima compares to her comic book counterpart i of course must uh bring us our official imdb synopsis for this week's episode that's right liam this episode originally debuted way back on november the 22nd 1997 so that means uh like a lot of the episodes we have covered this month we are uh, coming up on the 25 year anniversary of this episode which of course can be found uh on the fabulous hbo max streaming service not a not a a uh, sponsored uh, plug for them but hey if you want to watch it uh, some other way you can probably buy it off of Amazon also, or, you know, buy the DVDs or Blu-rays probably better for you to do that. <laughs> yes. Hopefully one day we will get that Blu-ray uh, HD release of Superman, the animated series. Speaking it into existence. <laughs> Fingers crossed, but yes. Uh, and I will bring you this week's IMDb synopsis uh, for the episode warrior queen, which was written by Hillary Bader uh, directed by Kurt Gaeta with music by Christopher Carter and animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. The pugnacious Queen Maxima of the planet Almarac comes to Earth in search of the one warrior she considers worthy to marry her. 
Superman. That's a pretty good one, actually. All things considered. I mean, I'm just I just like the use of the word pugnation. Just that's uh, <laughs> that's that's two thumbs up right there. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty solid uh, 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 synopsis as as we jump into plot here, Cal. Uh, we we as the aptly title episode is called Warrior Queen. We we start out with uh, Maxima in some sort of ritualistic combat, and we sort of quickly find out that she is in fact looking for her her mate. That's right. Uh, we see that she is in full battle with uh, another character who ends up playing a pretty large role in this week's episode, that the character of the scene. Uh, she is in hand-to-hand combat using weapons. And uh, it, it appears that the scene has the upper hand at some point. And uh, we learn through the dialogue that uh, she is searching for her mate and uh, that uh, looking for a worthy foe. And apparently that is how she determines uh, somebody that she uh, can and will be betrothed to somebody that is her equal. You know, Signian fighting techniques. I'm impressed. I'm not if that's all you have to show me. Patience, Maxima. Sometimes the hunter likes to play with his prey. Yes, sometimes she does. The prey is cornered. The victory is mine, and so are you, Maxima. My queen. My mate. My foot! Just when it looks like the scene has the upper hand and uh, is about to best her, uh, she sort of flips the tables and uh, brings a knife to his throat uh, and letting him know that, uh, yep, this is uh, this is over. He's definitely not the one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that is that is sort of the first part of the episode here is we get we get some setup of as as you mentioned that she is uh, looking for her mate after defeating the scene. There's sort of a couple of scenes of her uh, being very dismissive and and sort of downright awful. And that sort of will get to the heart of what this episode is, which is Maxima is terrible. She's just a terrible person. <laughs> uh, and I don't never we'll get to it at the end. Well, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead here, but I this I didn't. There's parts of this episode I really enjoy, but uh, Maxima is uh, is is a terrible it's terrible person. And she's uh, mistreating her her sort of advisor or uh you know her her second in command here uh sazu uh which i believe is the name of the toucan in the lion king i know it was very confusing for me i kept <laughs> kept waiting for them to break into song at some point which i feel like wouldn't have been out of character for some of the moments of the episode. <laughs> so we digress moving through the uh through the plot here yeah so she's overall a very spoiled entitled uh ruler and uh, we see in the very next scene as she is uh, getting uh, weighted on literally hand and foot as she's uh, being massaged uh, in her in her bath and uh, searching, continuing to search the galaxy for various uh, new potential mates uh sazu brings uh exciting news that there happens to be uh somebody that they have found on a planet called earth he lives on the planet called earth although our scouts inform us that he's kryptonian by birth 
The Earth natives call him Superman. Hmm, Superman. I like those shoulders. And that chin. Ah, oh, our children will be absolutely gorgeous. Shall I have the ambassador contact him? No, I'll handle this. Personally. But, my lady, your counselors are waiting and... Let him wait! God knows I have. And if this one's as promising as he looks, you can start ordering the wedding pattern. Mistress, wait. And that uh, this uh, alien or Kryptonian uh, by birth, but uh, Earth resident uh, appears to be a potential fit for a potential mate for Maxima. So wouldn't you know it, Maxima is wildly impressed, but uh, ultimately decides that she has to once again put uh, this potential mate through the ringer in order to be able to uh, potentially find out if he is a good match. Uh, his, her uh, her uh, right-hand woman, Sasu, uh, recommends maybe sending some scouts to Earth. And Maxima says that, no, she's going on her own. And uh, as she leaves to go to Earth, we uh, we kind of get the the curtain pulled back on what is going to be the subplot of this episode. And it feels a little familiar, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it gets a little... Uh... <laughs> Is it, that is always funny to me um, when uh, you mentioned there that, yeah, she's, ta- she's watching what is essentially just reused footage from The Last Son of Krypton Part 3. And uh, it's always really funny to me in shows and movies when they do, like, ideally here she's watching, like, news footage that they captured from satellites or something, you would think. But it's just footage from the episode. Uh, so there's, like, <laughs> cuts and zooms and, like, close-ups of you know, the big shell from the robot uh, landing in the in the windshield and stuff like that. So that always I think it's a little more forgivable in animation because you would have to, you would have to hand draw, especially at this point in the production, uh, the way animation was produced in the 90s. You're still doing cell animation at this point. So it's a little more forgivable, I think, to reuse footage that does always kind of take me out of it in, in live action shows because you could just do like one wide shot and then put some graphics up to pretend it's a news newscast, but I'll, I think it's a little more forgivable here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a 15 second, 30 second clip or something like that of the footage that she's watching. And it's from the, uh, from the pilot episode. So it's not as if it was from the episode that was shown prior to this one. This is season two. So, uh, you know, we'll give them, cut them some slack. It is a little goofy that she happened to have multi-camera cuts uh, focusing on various different aspects of the scene instead of just one wide shot or something like that. But hey, reused footage probably saved some money uh, and, uh, and helped out based on the fact that uh, we'll talk, which we'll talk about a little bit in visuals and animation in just a second here. But yes, yeah, so uh, she leaves and uh, not only uh, do we get some of the uh, repetitive familiar footage from the uh from from the pilot episode but i feel like the plot uh, has has a familiar ring to it and i guess maybe it could be said that the plot well this plot was copied and pasted into uh into 
into a Justice League episode as far as what, what the plot does. But tell me if you've heard this before. The leader of a, of a uh, particular place leaves uh, in, in, in order and heads to Earth or the surface. And in their absence, uh, someone decides that they are going to uh, usurp them and take their place uh, and do a better job and rule their, their throne instead. Uh, does that ring any bells to you, Liam? Does in fact sound a little bit like our uh, like uh, an episode we've reviewed uh, quite a bit ago, which you can find in the archives at dcaureview.com. Uh, that, of course, being the enemy below parts one and two, uh, the uh, the Justice League introduction of, uh, of Aquaman uh, has uh, has quite a few similarities as far as the uh, the second half of this episode goes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so except yeah, not- Aquaman's not interested. He's not headed to the surface for a romance with Superman. We'll get that's that. That's true. That's yeah. that's where the paths deviate a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> remains in fan fiction at this point. I think, but. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, there are there are some similarities there. It, it was funny. I, I did kind of think of that, especially the scene where she uh, uh, where she, later on where she kind of brings in her own guards to try to stop the scene and they immediately turn on her. I thought that was uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that that's that's literally the end of of part one of uh, of the enemy below here. So she took the bait. You knew she would. She's young, headstrong, hormonal. Having second thoughts, my dear? I feel like I've betrayed her. No, she betrayed you. See how she ran off? That's how much she cares for her people. But together, you and I, we can change things here on Almorak. No, my, my lady would never let us be together. Just leave everything to me. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting... Um, interesting list of the episode and like this this is the part to me that is maybe the most fun uh, is when she arrives on earth and first uh she sees a news broadcast uh after after dispensing with some local hoodlums uh which are all reused models from previous episodes including uh the one of the thugs from the opening to growing pains uh new batman adventures episode Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as I believe cousin Spunky from uh, the Baby Doll episode is in there, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think one or two others that have uh, that have been seen. I think one of one of them may have been one of Rupert Thorne or Two Faces Thugs. I, I can't quite remember, but uh, but yeah. We either way, we have some uh, some hoodlums that she dispenses, and then she she sees a newscast where uh, where Angela Chen is uh, is doing a report on Superman and. Uh, and uh, happens to th- this again. This is when it gets funny. I think there's some really funny jokes in this episode. One being that Angela Chen is complaining uh, while they're at commercial that the the piece is running short and she needs something to fill time. And then Maxima walks in and says that she is betrothed to Superman. Angela Chen's special report, Man of Steel, Man of Mystery, continues after these messages. Fifty cents. Where is this coming from? We're in trouble, people. The Superman piece is coming up short. We need to fill two minutes. Anybody have any ideas? I said out of my way. Excuse me? I am the Lady Maxima, warrior queen, head of the royal house, leader of all Almorak. And Superman's betrothed. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> and 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 Angela does very does like a, a mock praying hands and says thank you. Um, 
So it's in uh, yeah, we have we have Clark sort of watching this newscast as she's declaring that she and uh, Superman are betrothed. And as uh, she begins to get a little bit impatient with Angela Chen, begins to wreck the place. Finally, uh, Clark decides to put a stop to this and, and, and Superman and Maxima kind of finally meet. And again, there's there's some pretty uh, comedic moments uh, as they they sort of fight throughout Metropolis here. Yeah, uh, it's it's immediate. Like they they fight first in the uh, right in the studio, and then uh, as they exit the studio, Superman sort of removes her from the building. They head to this. Uh, they, I guess she sort of fights him off at that point, and they kind of crash land below. There's some interaction that happens with the news van, and then a construction site, and then as they're as they're fighting. Uh, they cut uh, again. It, it felt like I was watching a Looney Tune for a second here. I was like, "Who wrote this? Uh, and and where does this comedy come in?" But there's this elderly couple that is watching Superman and 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 Maxima fight and giving a play by play commentary uh, as they go through. Uh, ultimately, with uh, leading to uh, to Superman giving his stance on why Maxima can't simply just come to Earth and demand that Superman marry her and. And uh, as Superman gives his very thorough uh, definition for what marriage is, uh, uh, the woman <laughs> that has been watching this whole time, uh, dubbed Lucille, uh, responds, uh, what planet is he from? In a very comedic uh, role. You are my equal. This is the happiest day of my life. I'm glad. Oh, my goodness. They're hugging. Just don't get any ideas. Of course, now you'll have to marry me. Uh, you can't just barge in and make demands like that. Why not? On my planet, I do it all the time. Well, this isn't Almanac. Almanac. Whatever. Here on Earth, marriage isn't something you can command. Marriage is a willing partnership where husbands and wives share the decisions and sacrifices. What planet is he from? You can't force me to marry you. Watch me. Did everything but look at the camera and wink, but... Uh... Uh, at this moment, uh, Maxima is sort of able to realize that uh, it doesn't... She's really still not listening. Uh, she is still the spoiled entitled person that believes that at this point that Superman is indeed her equal and has uh, passed her test. So she is going to take him back to not Almanac as Superman calls it, but Almarac. And uh, upon their arrival, however, they are greeted uh, by a somewhat uh, less than enthusiastic uh, uh, servitude of people. And then as she enters her, her throne room, she is sort of uh, awakened to the the news that uh, she no longer sits on the throne, literally. Yeah, that's and then as we've talked about, it's very uh, it's the very Shakespearean turn again, a la a later episode uh, uh, that that we see here as the yes her her maiden who again we've established she treats like garbage. Uh, <laughs> Has uh, has sort of uh, agreed with uh, to to help Desine take power here, and and uh, the rest of the people, including all of Maxima's guards, seem uh, all too ready to uh, to to side with Desine here. So 
that uh, it does it does say quite a bit about uh, what maybe uh, what Maxima's uh, <laughs> what Maxima was like as a uh, as a rule. There's even a line that uh, that Sazu throws out about how the the people didn't barely, basically didn't care because she was such a bad queen that that they were basically very willing to go along with uh, with with the uh, with the coup here. <laughs> And uh, and yeah, so and, and it seems like uh, all hope may be lost, and and uh, Superman and Maxima might be in a, in a bit of trouble. But of course, the scene because he is in fact evil, uh, double crosses Sazu and sends her to the dungeon along with uh, with uh, Maxima and and Superman. And uh, this is uh, that this they're not in a trash compactor, but I feel like it gets a little Star Warsy in this sequence. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, some Empire Strikes Back influence as they are introduced to the Carnarite uh, as uh, Maxima realizes they have been put into these old tunnels that she once used as a prison. Superman attempts to escape, but as he uh, flies towards uh, the upper part of the uh, tunnel that they're in, it is in fact uh, rigged with electricity and electrified, uh, causing Superman to not be able to escape. Uh, so at this point, the Carnarite awakens and we see uh, multiple tentacles come out. And uh, not only are these tentacles uh, disgusting and attempting to drag the victim back to the Carnarite's mouth, uh, they also are electrified so that when at certain points they uh, they touch uh, both Superman and Sazu, they uh, shock them. Uh, and then ultimately Superman uh, leads them sort of this open area where they are confronted finally with not just the tentacles, but the entire beast itself as it comes from underneath of the uh, underneath of them. And then uh, there's a, a battle that ensues where Superman and Maxima sort of team up. Superman takes a lot of the beating uh, sort of flying around and, and getting the different I guess maybe their tongues, not tentacles at this point, because they're <laughs> the mouth of the beast. One of its tongues tied to the other tongue. And then uh, as Superman is sort of uh, almost nearly devoured, Maxima drops a rather large rock. It was a big rock uh, on, the, uh, on the tail, on the tail of the Carnarite and uh, causing it to sort of lurch forward and 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 scream and uh superman takes a couple of the tentacles and throws them around a apparatus uh hanging from the ceiling that it in and of itself was electrified this not only takes out the carnerite but also uh takes out the uh the electrified ceiling at this point allowing superman to uh to do the old superman spin right out of the room to help them escape that's right and uh, yeah it's sort of we, we set up the final battle where it's just uh, it's just kind of Maxima and uh, and Superman versus some very generic uh, henchmen uh, of the scenes as uh, uh, as they sort of continue to uh, to fight to fight off and 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 uh, finally they're able to uh, Sazu is able to get hold of uh, the the wrist teleporter that Maxima has been using throughout the episode and opens a portal at which point Superman and Maxima sort of knock all of the, the soldiers into that, uh, into that portal. And then uh, they are able to capture the scene. And this is, I guess where we're supposed to feel like Maxima learned a lesson, which is that she, at the start of the episode, she doesn't kill him. She's about to kill him this time. And Superman sort of talks her down. Uh. 
It's no game. This time, I kill you. Maxima? I don't kill him. I lock him up. For a really long time. Sazu! Yes, mistress? Escort the prisoner to one of the really nasty dungeons. One with plenty of rats. Yes, mistress. And she agrees to just arrest him instead. But... Uh, there's not really any point in this episode where Maxima apologizes or does anything to sort of <laughs> redeem herself for being like an objectively terrible ruler. So it didn't feel that uh, that that much of a, uh, a redemption moment for me. But that being said, I guess it's a, it's a pretty light comedic episode. So maybe I'm expecting more than I should there. But uh, the, and then sort of our, our ending is is uh, she sends sends Superman back to Earth. She releases him from their betrothal. Uh, and Superman sort of gives her one last little bit of encouragement, telling her that, uh, as his ma says, uh, there's, there's someone out there for everyone. And as he sort of fades away, who else? But what a great, like, this is like, you know, Howard the Duck showing up at the end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like just the most random ending to this episode is that if Superman walks as soon as the portal closes and Superman is gone, Lobo just shows up and apparently is uh, is chasing a bounty on the scene, and uh, Maxima looks quite smitten with him as well, and that's sort of our and the adventure continues ending there. You're free to go. Thanks. No, but as my mother always said, there's someone for everyone. I'm here to get that fragging, scum-sucking, rat-scratching to see, and nobody better stop me! This episode is very strange. It's very weird. It's, uh, I guess we can get into beginning to break down our plot scores here now that we've kind of done the full recap. Um, Yeah, it's tonally, it's very, very odd. Like from the beginning, uh, there are elements certainly of quirkiness that are, are, are weaved into it. And I guess in a way, thinking about this as I'm talking about it, I guess this wouldn't feel out of place in the way that a lot of modern superhero movies are written in that there has to be some tongue in cheek and laughter and lighthearted moments, which there are. It feels like there's a lot, I think, in a 22 minute episode. Um, And so maybe if it was spread out over a, you know, two hour feature length film, not that I'm asking for that for this episode of all episodes, (laughs) feature length film. But uh, I'm just saying tonally, if that's the case, maybe that was, uh, you know, maybe they were a little bit ahead of the curve here with with things. I don't know. But tonally, it feels very odd at times. 
you're right. It does not feel like Maxima really learns anything at the end because she still tries to kill the scene. Superman has to stop her. And she like sort of then understands how it is. And I guess there is a little bit of redemption because she allows Sesu to be, you know, to remain in her position instead of punishing her for her, ultimately her betrayal, whether or not that's smart or not. eh, I don't know. We don't get a follow up to this episode. (laughs) So we never know what happens with Maxima. She doesn't appear again in the DCAU, but um, yeah. And then, you know, to have the sort of Superman trying to, to be, kind to her and not just simply hurt her feelings by rejecting her but ultimately having to fight her in the midst of it and then going and helping her regain her throne it's it's very very strange um yeah i so it it was tough to come up with a score for this plot because there are things that i like about it i think that the fight scenes are uh, are at least entertaining. I think that uh, there's some some good action here. There is some good comedy. There's some wacky, zany comedy. The the Lobo ending is, uh, you know, the cherry on top of a very strange Sunday, if we're using metaphors <laughs> here. Um, but uh, I, that left me with <laughs> with uh, no choice but to give plot a five out of ten, which is you know just kind of like I I don't I don't know what to do with this. I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was bad. I don't know if it's if it's somewhere in the middle. I don't know if 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 I had seen this five or ten more times, if I would have given it a better or worse score. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I actually came up with a five out of ten as well um, because I get I think the jokes are pretty funny, um, like the comedic moments are pretty good, and we'll certainly get into that a little bit more in voice acting. Um, and some some of the lines are written very very clever and very funny and and there's some there's some pretty amusing moments but the plot itself and I do like I like the bit where when they're first thrown of the dungeon Maxima brings up her sword as if she's going to kill Sezu and Superman intervenes and sort of physically stops her and and you get the and it is it's basically it's the Spider-Man moral it's the she says I have the power to do what I want. And Superman tells her, well, that means you have responsibility to use that power to help people. And he also mentions that, you know, as, as a leader, you're, you are not, the people are not there to serve you. You're there to serve people. And so I like that. That's good Superman stuff. Um, so I appreciate that. And I appreciate the humor, but again, it's hard to feel like, like this either should have ended with Maxima resigning <laughs> <laughs> or or like at least like her making some sort of public de- declaration that things were going to change sure um and and again i get it because it, it is it's it's light and comedic enough but i think it takes more of a sinister serious turn in that third act and you know to see this kind of portrayed as this really sleazy cunning bad guy that you're you're really supposed to not like but again like maxima <laughs> either it's like the better and you really don't know any other than him just kind of like sneaking behind her back to take the 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 role away from her we don't really we don't hear like he has diabolical plans to enslave everyone or you know he's gonna make everybody uh, he's gonna rule everybody with an iron fist like there's no there's no declaration that he's doing anything other than really like political revolution ultimately (laughs) right 
and that that like his only crime was he wasn't good enough to fight you know good enough to be her betrothed which i guess comes off as like you know him having sour grapes that he didn't beat her in in hand-to-hand combat but also it he didn't really have a, a like it's hard to when you dig in to really see a, a bad motive for him to not want maxima to be in charge yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's part of where this falls down. And we will just mention here, it's a little bit, I guess it's a little bit of an Easter egg. Uh, this character, uh, and again, we mentioned Hillary Bader was the writer. There's a there's a pretty similar character. And I, I don't know how this works out because again, Maxima is from the comics and this was kind of how she was originally intended was this alien warrior who uh, came to earth wanting to to mate with superman but there's apparently a very similar character in uh, star trek the next generation uh named luaxana troy and uh hillary bader happened to write uh, two episodes of star star trek the next generation that featured that character and she had sort of a similar way of talking as as maxima does in this episode she sort of dramatically introduces herself with all of these nicknames and and everything so i i think that's there's some there's some fun easter eggs in there i think if you're a fan of uh, of star trek and then sci-fi as as we've talked about but uh from there cal we can we can move into visuals and right off the bat the first thing and i do again i do have good things to say visually but something looks off with superman in this episode yeah visuals right off the bat his chin uh, he had a very tick-like chin, I would say, if you're familiar. Uh, we, we refer to it a lot because it was another one of our favorite cartoons growing up. One of these days, we'll do an Elseworlds tick episode or something. There you go. Uh, but uh, if you're familiar with the tick, he had the he has that long, uh, elongated chin, over exaggerated feature. And uh, this Superman, whoo, man, there are some scenes where we get some up chin shots and uh, that that thing is just hanging out there, which is, which is weird because I didn't notice. I guess there's not a lot of other recurring characters that appear in this that we're familiar with or that could be technically off model. We get Clark we, and Angela Chen. We don't see Lois. We don't see Jimmy. We don't see Perry. You know, we don't see uh, Professor Hamilton. Uh, we missed out on a Professor Hamilton appearance on this week's episode. Three out of four ain't bad, though, for the month. But anyway, uh, yeah, so it's it's odd. It, it was definitely an odd animation choice whoever was storyboarding this or whoever ultimately animated it went with a little bit more exaggerated features there's a couple scenes that i noticed uh there's a scene where superman uh is i think it's right after he and maxima uh have teamed up for the first time she sort of embraces him and he kind of pushes her off and his hands are like the size of his head at that point like they're just humongous and it's just for a split second, but it's definitely some some features of this episode. Uh, some of the characters looked a little wonky, which is weird because I don't think Maxima. And it, again, this is her one and only appearance, but she didn't look like her features were too exaggerated. I didn't think that uh, that the characters themselves looked looked too too off model for what we're typically used to from superman the animated series animation but for some reason superman did not look good in this episode yeah i i can't tell quite what it yeah it's definitely all in like the head shape for me Uh, i mean again this is this is directed by kurt gata who's a regular a regular that we we talk about quite a bit especially in the the superman and, and new batman adventures era 
and you know, animation by Coco and Dong Yang, who, you know, maybe don't hit home runs every time out, but are certainly, you know, professional, regular studios who worked on, you know, quite a few of these, uh, these animated shows. So it's, it's, there isn't like a clear reason to me why this looks the way it does, or why specifically Superman looks as off as he does in this episode. And, and we've even talked about that in the past. It's kind of rare for w- once we're past the original Batman series to see somebody this off model or this, uh, this, this sort of uh, inconsistent in an episode. So I don't know if it was just a, you know, a quick turnaround. They didn't have time to fix some stuff or, or what if there was, you know, some sort of a turmoil in, in the production of this episode that, that didn't allow for retakes and things like that to fix some of this. But yeah, it did, uh, it did uh, come off. It's just, it's just very odd. And obviously he's the main character. So it's hard to ignore that, that sort of stuff. Um, uh, that being said, I, I do think there, there are some, some cool, cool visuals. I like the general design of everything. I think when we open up, uh, speaking of Star Trek, there's a ship floating in the air that looks a lot like the USS Enterprise. Uh, we and we get again. I think a lot of the the backgrounds and stuff are creative and and everything and and uh, you know the the design of the monster that they fight is is pretty interesting. With as you mentioned, the the tentacle tongue and the and everything is is, uh, is pretty creative. There's also a really interesting shot of a Superman and and Maxima and and Sazu sort of running through this tunnel and the tunnel rather than just them running through a background, the tunnel's sort of animated and it's sort of kept this one long shot and then the camera kind of cuts to behind them and the the the, the background is animated again as they run out. I thought that was a cool shot. And there's there's a pretty clever little visual trick where uh, as as you mentioned, Superman, when he's timed to tunnel out, he does the the spin trick and, and uh, flies up into the air. And we sort of do this fade where we're fading on Superman spinning and then it fades into one of the... The, the dancer girls doing a, a pirouette uh, as, she, as she dances for uh, the scenes entertainment. So this episode is not without some, some fun and clever visuals and, and animation, but yeah, it's, it's hard to, to get past that elephant in the room of the main character being a little bit off model. <laughs> yeah. A couple other things I noticed, I, I think we can talk about maybe the design of Maxima herself. Mm-hmm. Um, not a hundred percent true. Obviously she said she's had some comic appearances before this. I, I also didn't realize that had no recollection of her being on Smallville, but uh, you being a Smallville fa- fan, obviously I thought that was worth a mention that, Yes. Uh, she had a, had a prior appearance there, uh, as well as in uh, Arrow, I believe, as well. Or no, Supergirl, I, I think she was mm-hmm. part of the Arrowverse. But uh, so definitely has made some appearances outside of just those uh, comic appearances and this appearance in Superman, the animated series. But uh, I thought her costume looked great. There was some, definitely some Bruce Tim, Jack Kirby influence, I think. Not that this is Jack Kirby character, but just that natural Kirby-esque uh, influence, but it didn't look like a fourth world character either. I thought that the uh, both uh, the the people from uh, Armanac uh, or Al- Almarac, I <laughs> even I don't know what the name of this, Superman didn't care enough to know what the, the name of the planet was, so I don't care what it is. Either. Uh, the people from Almarac 
uh, they looked distinguished uh, enough to not just be like, oh, that's a, these are just fourth world characters. Like you can see some influence there, I think. And it's definitely Bruce Tim influenced model sheets used for various different things, but also it's, it's certainly unique enough where they, uh, they kind of stand out on their own. I think the, the colors that were used in the backgrounds for the throne room and her, when she's uh, watching the footage of Superman while she's in the bath, I th- thought those were, those were some unique looks as well. Um, I, I thought it was interesting too. the, uh, this is another episode and we haven't covered a couple of other Superman, the animated series episodes, uh, yet that also feature this, but this features a, a, a super powered woman fighting Superman, which means we get a little bit of man on woman violence, which, uh, is something that they tended to steer away from for standards and practices purposes. And obviously that's never typically a good look but i guess because they had this woman sort of borderline being invulnerable and continuing over and over to say that superman was her equal uh they felt it was okay for a time there's a particular brutal shot where superman uh hurls her into uh into this construction site and she lands face first into a metal beam bending it with her face uh (laughs) that was particularly violent but it's again that whole scene is sort of played for laughs so i think some of it is um is well it's balanced with some laughs so i guess i guess the violence some of the the wind is taken out of the violent sails in those uh in those moments but yes yeah, i thought the the carnarite when it um when it captures superman uh both times that it does with its tentacle tongues uh it it shocks him and uh, at superman you see that the the electricity come through superman his eyes turn white and his mouth turns all white uh, both as he's talking and as uh, as he's initially shocked there. I thought that was a pretty, pretty awesome visual. I enjoyed that. Um, I had also mentioned the the super spin that you had mentioned into the transition uh, in the scene. Um, and then overall, I think just the just the general general look of everybody. Uh, I, I think uh, alien alien humans are you know, tend to be non-interesting at, at times, but I thought that the garb that everybody was, was wearing Sasu's garb, I thought was, uh, was unique enough where it, it looked, uh, like it could be something middle Eastern or, or far Eastern, uh, but also unique enough where it was alien, uh, in nature. So uh, I thought the, I thought the visuals on that end, uh, were were pretty strong. Um, all of that uh, <laughs> coming down to to everything, um, you know, it's it's really really difficult. I think to when you're as you mentioned when your main hero is off model to kind of give this a, a higher end score. Um, but I did like Maximus costume. I like some of those other things. So I ended up settling on a six out of ten for visuals. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the the last half of the episode is a, is a little bit stronger, and and I actually brought my score up to a, a seven out of ten. I was I was kind of sitting around a five or a six, and then I think the last uh, the last bit there that I mentioned the the fight with the with the giant creature, and then um, I like I like the portal effect. They they did a good job because obviously boom tubes already exist in this world, so creating another sort of unique uh, uh, portal effect. It's all sort of light-based, this one is. So it's, you know, it has sort of this interesting flow and kind of swirl to it that the uh, the boom tubes don't have. So I thought that was that was, uh, that was was interesting as well. And yeah, and I, I like Maxima's look here. It's, 
her look in the comics is very uh it's very like like jean gray phoenix uh costume but with maybe less less uh more or more skin showing uh so they they sort of they took the spirit like, like they did with i think a lot of their their dcau redesigns when they when they did sort of redesign the characters they took kind of the spirit of that she's still you know her costume still has a the, the green coloring and and the sort of the big shoulder pads and then things like that but sort of added a little bit uh to it to make it a to make it a little more unique and a little bit I think more befitting of what the character is which is it's it's yes it is it's a it's she's a queen but it's also again as the episode suggests she is a warrior so it's it it sort of looks both uh you know uh royal but also functional as as battle armor so I, I like that design as well so uh yeah I, uh, I settled on a seven out of ten nice all right, Cal, and that will move us on to music. As mentioned, we have uh, Christopher Carter to thank for the music this week. And uh, I, I noticed that it actually kind of holds back in a lot of the, you know, uh, in a lot of scenes. There isn't as much music sort of uh, maybe in, in total minutes uh, heard this week, but there is, there is some sort of memorable moments. Uh, what stuck out to you as far as music goes? Yeah. Uh, so uh, this uh, this episode, I think, uh, you know, relies heavily on the fact that uh, Maxima is indeed a warrior queen. So uh, when you think warriors, when you think, uh, you know, gladiators, you tend to think of this big, grand uh roman influenced uh music i guess something you would see in a in a movie depicting a coliseum big heavy drums and uh you know something that sounds like the intro to the olympics on nbc you know like heavy drums that are that are tuned and making you know kind of have this bass uh, coming with them so uh and that's kind of i think what the influence was for this music because a lot of the the at least the introduction that we get to maxima is this heavy drum with horns in the background and um, this sort of theatrical uh, battle <laughs> about to begin uh, or, or ending. It's sort of her theme is, is sort of uh, tied up in, into that sort of uh, in so, sort of tone throughout. And so that, that theme sort of plays throughout. We don't get a lot of the Superman theme, very little uh, in this episode, actually. Uh, but we sort of do get these heavy horns in the background. And I, I, I felt like the background music would not have been out of place for, a, for an early Batman, the animated series episode in that there's this theme that runs throughout um, and, and sort of it changes up in, in different places, but you have the same horns in the scene with the, with the Carnarite uh, that you then have in the, the final fight scene in the throne room with Superman and Maxima uh, fighting the scene and his, his goons. Like, you know, you, you have that same thread throughout and then the drums and the, you know, the, the Coliseum esque music also comes playing in. Uh, there has to be probably a better name for that, but that's, that's what I <laughs> for this um that that uh, that roman coliseum theme coming through so um yeah I, I i think that there's a there's a lot of good stuff to hear in this i think uh, the music in the fight scene also between superman and uh and maxima in that construction site 
uh, and their their fight there sort of continues uh, with this with this horn playing in the background that sort of uh, again sort of is is threaded throughout the entire entire episode. But uh, yeah, I, I think the music ten, tended to be one of the strongest and most memorable things about this episode uh, for this week. Yeah, no, I think that that definitely stands out. And it, again, it has those sort of spacey uh, Star Trek, Star Wars grand feel to it. I think all this, the scenes on Almerac are sort of punctuated with that. And you uh, you mix in the Superman theme as well. And again, we, we've talked about that in past weeks of, of the way to sort of interlay that Superman theme within whatever the theme uh, of the week uh, is. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed the music as well. Like I said, I think it holds back like... When uh, again in the scene I talked about where where Maxima is, is sort of br- brings her sword up to strike Sazu and 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 Superman intervenes, you'd kind of expect a big dramatic you know dun 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 there, and it's it's there's really no music at all. They totally uh, uh, drops the music out there to kind of let the uh, the voice actors uh, take that moment, and and we'll certainly talk more about that in voice acting in a moment. But yeah, I, I think uh, the music did a good job of not only sort of punctuating those big moments and. And giving you that sort of, uh, you know, spacey, dramatic uh, Shakespearean feel, but also uh, holding back when it needed to as well. So, yeah, I, I went with a seven out of ten for music. Nice. I went uh, went just a notch higher. I went eight out of ten. I think it's I think it's really strong. And uh, in an episode that felt inconsistent in a couple different areas, um, I felt like music definitely was the most consistent and uh, probably why I ended up giving it just uh, a, a little bit higher score this week. Love it. And that will bring us to our final category, Cal, which, of course, is voice acting. Uh, it's a mostly uh, guest acting uh, cast this week as uh, other than Lauren Tom as Angela Chen, we don't really have many of our regulars besides, of course, the Man of Steel himself, Tim Daly as Superman. But we have uh, some uh, some some pretty uh, interesting and, and, and recurring guest stars that we we have heard or will hear uh, later later in different DCAU episodes. But uh, just briefly, I'll run down a few of them here. We have a. Uh, Miguel Ferrer as uh, as the scene who we previously heard as the weather wizard in the Superman episode Speed Demons and uh, also uh, plays uh, Aquaman in Fish Story the uh, the Superman episode of course does not come back to voice him in Justice League but uh, but a, a DCAU veteran there and and again there's not I don't think there's a ton asked of him but he you know he plays a good sort of slimy conniving uh, bad guy He's honestly a perfect sound alike for the for the for Aquaman, which is why every time I heard him, I was like, maybe this is why I think this plot reminds me so much of <laughs> the enemy below because they they like you said they recast him for for justice league so it's not the same actor but he goes on to play aquaman in superman the animated series so there's a reason why they went with that voice for justice league so uh, yeah it was a little distracting I, I don't think that he's bad at what he what he does he plays that sort of over the top evil but also hearing a voice with that same similar tone uh that you're used to for Aquaman be more, uh, uh, I guess, supposed to be more sinister is a little bit kind of took me out of my element for a moment there, but he does, he does a fine job, I think for the episode. Yeah. Agreed. And uh, speaking of other uh, DCAU veterans here, we have uh, Shannon Kenny as Sazu who would uh, go on later on to play ink in uh, several episodes of Batman beyond. Um, 
again, like she she's sort of just there to be uh, she's berated by Maxima and then betrayed by Decine. And uh, but again, there's sort of, I guess, this ultimate, uh, you know, she doesn't she doesn't get executed at the end. But uh, I think she does a solid job, but not maybe not maybe not a ton asked of her either. Yeah, she's fine. Uh, not a, not a lot of heavy lifting to do. Her interactions with Maxima, I think, are fine. She does play uh, a somewhat scared, and and even I think her interactions with Decine, where she has to, so she's interested in things changing, but then she's also terrified. Uh, I, I guess she's interested in in Decine romantically, uh, but she's also terrified at the fact that whatever his plans are and sort of changing uh, how things are done in uh, in Elmerac. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, she's, she's okay. She's fine. We know that her best acting is going to come eventually in Batman beyond, uh, playing ink. So, uh, this is a fine, I think, uh, fine warm up for her in, uh, and, uh, you know, with better things to come in the future. Yeah, for sure. And then a couple of rapid fire here before we get to our, our main players of the episode, we have, uh, uh, of course, there's a there's a monster or any kind of animal. So, of course, Frank Welker is our uh, our uh, our giant monster that Superman fights this week. Uh, always always give him a shout out. The voice of uh, Scooby Doo and lots of other uh, cartoon voices, uh, but uh, definitely a specialist when it comes to uh, to playing animals. And and then as the uh, the old married couple, they have uh, Jack Carter as uh, as Harry and uh, Renee Taylor as Lucille, who were both uh sort of uh veteran just veteran character actors again if you look at their imdb pages it's a lot of you know one episode here one episode of the dick van dyke show one episode of sanford and son one episode of bewitched like just classic like you know 70s and 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 60s sitcom actors and uh, it's, it's pretty and again that that bit is straight out of like the honeymooners or something like some some old old uh old sitcom so they were so the fact that they actually got a couple of uh, actors who would have been on one of those shows uh, back in the day, I thought was was kind of a nice a nice touch there for what is a, a pretty comedic scene there, as as, as you mentioned earlier. But uh, yeah, that 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 brings us to our, our our main players. As mentioned, of course, we have Tim Daly as Superman, and he gets a lot to do this week as he is uh, playing off Sharon Lawrence, uh, who folks might know from NYPD Blue or Shameless. Uh, as Maxima and I think this is the strength of the episode is a lot of just how uh, exasperated Tim Daly's Superman is uh, to uh, as as he has to react to uh, to Sharon Lawrence as Maxima yeah yeah he's uh he's fine (laughs) I think I think he plays it well he has to play sort of the straight man to her over-the-top comedy and her over-the-top just oblivious nature of understanding general common courtesies and and how how <laughs> marriages work and and all of that so i think i think he does a fine job at uh at, at playing the, the straight man in that and having that interaction with her uh he doesn't have a whole lot of of interacting to do in the first uh in the first you know several minutes but then throughout as his uh his interactions with with maxima increase and after their initial fight and then as he's sort of learning how things go as you mentioned that uh little bit of dialogue that he shares about how uh, her ruling uh, should look versus how it currently looks forgive me my lady he deceived me i, I was a fool a dead fool no 
I'm still queen here, head of the royal house, leader of all Almarac. But you can't just go around killing people. I have the power to do as I please. And the responsibility to do what is right. As leader, you serve the people. They don't serve you. Now, where are we? And then maybe uh, at the end, as he politely declines that he has to uh, head back to Earth, uh, you know, accepting with grace and, and appreciating the uh, the flattering that, that he received, but also knowing that he needed to get out of there as quickly as possible was pretty great. So, yeah, I think I think he's very, very strong uh, in this. And I, I really think the only person that could you could possibly say did a better job is, is Brad Garrett as, as Lobo. Well, yeah, that is the, as we mentioned, it's a very bizarre cameo, but uh, always great to hear uh, Brad Garrett's Lobo. And and uh, yeah, I, I think Sh- Sharon Lawrence's Maxima does a, does a pretty fun job again. It's a lot of, especially in the more comedic moments, she, she has a lot to do and she plays this very sort of pompous over the top, uh, 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 you know, just over dramatic uh, Royal character. And I think, I think she does a pretty good job. So all things considered, I, I think I think voice acting is, is pretty good in this episode, and uh, I settled on a, a another seven out of ten for my voice acting. Yeah, I ended up giving it actually the same exact score, seven out of ten. Um, yeah, I think I think all involved do a a pretty good job. There's nothing uh, spectacular about anything. Uh, Maxima is a very over the top character and uh, her lines are delivered as such. So Superman being a little bit understated, everybody else kind of being understated as well. Uh, the scene ultimately not being a, a mustache twirling villain uh, over the top voice also, I think plays well. So uh, solid all the way around, uh, but nothing that was uh, super spectacular in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely fun to be had here, but uh, that will bring us to our final scores, of course, and uh, tallying everything up this week, Cal, I have a uh, final score of 26 out of 40. uh i guess this explains uh that our scores while not being exact across the board uh our scores ended up being pretty similar and that uh that is why i ended up with a final score also of 26 out of 40 for this week (laughs) what what are the odds uh pretty good if you've listened to uh previous (laughs) 168 oh. episodes we've done uh, a common common theme here <laughs> yeah and uh, as we uh, begin to wrap up we will of course look at the rewatchability for this week's episode uh this is the first one in a while that i feel like is a is a solid skip uh there's nothing wrong with it. i think the action is so great that you need to watch this episode and obviously as far as like its place in the uh, in the larger universe both of, of this show as superman and of the the dcau uh this character never returns she doesn't even you know show up in the background of a jlu episode or anything so hard hard to say that any of this uh really uh really uh feels like it's a, a must watch or a must rewatch in this case yeah i i i would dare uh put this episode in the uh in the who the heck needs this episode type of (laughs) who the heck asked for this episode uh type of (laughs) it's it's fine there's definitely some laughs if you're looking for the funniest superman the animated series episodes maybe this is a top five 
uh, in that case, because I feel like we'd probably put uh, Mixius Pixelated and maybe uh, maybe a little big head man ahead of that, uh, although we haven't reviewed a little big head. <laughs> so we'll have to see about that one. But uh, yeah, there's almost no reason for this episode to exist other than uh, for some some comedic spots. Uh, if you are a Lobo enthusiast and you want to see every appearance of Lobo in the DCAU, I guess you would have to watch this episode. But uh, I think you could also just watch the final 30 seconds of this episode and be satisfied also. So, yeah, I, I'd say this is definitely not one uh, that is a must watch for any reason. It's not uh, important to Superman the Animated Series in total. It's not uh, not important to the DCAU as a whole. So, yeah, this is one that you can can skip 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 if you've seen it before uh you've seen it enough times in my book yeah i think that's i think that's fair like i said it's uh, it's fun and this character again it's kind of has a weird history in the comic she started out as this sort of weird villain she ends up joining the justice league for a bit and they uh, ultimately killed her off and she's been brought back once or twice since then but uh, it's sort of it was sort of this character that was kind of important in the in the 80s and, and into the early and mid 90s and then sort of just fell out of uh, fell out of favor at some point. So it is kind of a fun piece of Superman history uh, to say that, oh, this wow, this character made it into this show. And as you mentioned, made it into a couple of live action appearances as well. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, importance goes or a really a strong enough reason to rewatch it, like I said, there's some good jokes uh, but really, I wouldn't even say that uh, again, it's not and I didn't hate this episode, but it's it's hard to say that there's a lot here that I will be uh, looking to uh, to go back and revisit anytime soon. Yeah, I, I, I concur. All right, Cal, and that will begin to wrap us up here. Thank you, everyone, for listening, uh, whether you do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or of course, if you are listening slash watching on the uh, the Pod Tower YouTube channel, we appreciate you wherever you listen. Uh, if you do happen to uh, listen to us on the Pod Tower, make sure you're subscribed, please. And hey, even if you don't listen to us on it, we'd appreciate if you uh, you went and subscribed there, as it's not just helping us out; it's also helping our friends at Tim Talk, as well as uh, our friends over at the Watchtower Database, uh, who are all, all put content up on that Pod Tower YouTube channel and. Uh, but, uh, and if you happen to uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any uh, podcast app that lets you leave a review, we would appreciate you giving us a five-star review. Know that takes a little bit of time, but that does help us out, kind of bumps us up in search algorithms and all that that stuff. Maybe gets a few more uh, listens on the podcast. We do appreciate the uh, that. And, and uh, Cal, uh, we have one more Saturday this uh, this long month of July. And uh, the fifth Saturday uh, has sort of become a tradition here is uh, it's time to take another trip around the multiverse. That's right. And uh, no, we are not uh, doing an extra review of the latest issue of Justice League Infinity, <laughs> uh, which, of course, is introducing the multiverse to the DCAU. But uh, you can hear those reviews uh, if you have not checked them out yet uh, on our bonus episodes. We uh, we will continue those as uh, issue two drops in the next couple of weeks here. So looking forward to that, but no, Liam, that's right. We are going to check out another uh, DC, another piece of DC animation here as uh, we turn to the very popular, a almost a cult fo- 
following a uh, a very strong fan base for Young Justice as we review uh, another episode. We've reviewed one of uh, one episode, the uh, the pilot episode, actually in the past. Uh, but uh, we have a uh, another episode to follow up on here in our fifth week and our uh, Elseworlds episode. That's right. We will be covering an episode because this was a Superman, the animated series month. We are going to focus on an episode that focuses a little bit on Superman as well as his uh, his clone Superboy. And that will be the episode Schooled, uh, still from the first season Young Justice, it features uh, quite a bit of uh, action and exciting moments and and characters from from Superman and Superboy to Black Canary to Amazo and, and more. So lots to get into next week as we look at another early episode of Young Justice that is sort of a uh, super themed. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been a fun month, Liam, and uh, we will uh, turn the calendar page and talk about what we'll be covering uh, for the month of August next week. But uh, yeah, this has been a fun month of Superman, the animated series episodes. We I think we found out we we really don't have that many left. So it might be a while before mm-hmm. we return uh, for a full month of Superman reviews. So uh, enjoy this while it lasts. We're working on some stuff to uh, still incorporate the Man of Steel into some months coming up, Liam. But this has been a, a pretty fun month overall and uh, looking forward to tackling an Elseworlds episode with you. Absolutely. We look forward to that. And we look forward to you letting us know what you thought of this week's episode and uh, what you think of every uh, episode that we reviewed, both our uh, our own uh, review and, of course, the episode itself that we are reviewing. You can hit us up at Twitter or on Instagram. Both places you can find us at DCAU Review. So let us know what you thought and uh, what you'd like to see us review coming up. Uh, but uh, we look forward to hearing from you. But until then, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.